You're listening to the Joy and Peace Podcast for Catholic Singles. The podcast aims to inspire you to enjoy your season of singleness as you prepare for marital happiness. And now your host, Shana Sino. Hi, this is Shana Sino. Thank you for joining us at the Joy and Peace Podcast for Catholic Singles. I have a quick question for you. Is writing a book in your bucket list? If the answer is yes, I have a gift for you. I've written an ebook called Why You Need to Write a Book, and I'd like to give it to you for free. In this ebook, you will discover the biggest rewards of becoming an author, how to succeed as an author, and the 10 compelling reasons why you need to write a book. You can download it for free, just go to theauthorsvoice.net slash book. Again, that's theauthorsvoice.net slash book. We'll also put the link in the show notes. Alright, enjoy the podcast! Hi, this is Shadisino, your host for the Joy and Peace podcast. And today, I'll be interviewing Claudine Noel, who is currently based in New York. She is a board-certified coach and feminine embodiment coach. She helps women of faith heal emotional wounds and embody their feminine genius so they can express their God-given radiance. I met her through one of these um, Catholic Singles discussions, and I really love her work. I follow her on Instagram, and if you get to know her, <laughs> you may also follow her because what she shares in her Instagram account really makes sense. So today, we're going to talk about the Esther journey from emotional orphan to queen. So let's all welcome to the Joy and Peace podcast, Claudine. Hi, Claudine. Hi, Shaw. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. You're welcome. It's my pleasure to interview you. I actually I have a lot of there are a lot of things that I want to learn from you, and it's it's very good that we have this Joy and Peace podcast because I can learn from you, and at the same time we can share this conversation with a lot of Catholic singles. Yes, yes, that's very helpful and very, um, I, I appreciate this mission that you have and the work that you're doing. Thank you. So Claudine, what are you most grateful for right now as regards your current relationship status? And by the way, what is your relationship status right now? <laughs> so my relationship status is dating, <laughs> actively mm-hmm. dating and um, yeah, just getting out there and meeting meeting people. So what I'm most grateful for is really time to draw closer to God through the church and through the sacraments. But I'm also grateful for having a sense of purpose, purpose in my coaching practice, but also freedom and joy. And, you know, it's taken me some time to really cultivate these, um, but it was worth it. And I believe it's so critical for everyone, whether they're single or in a relationship, to be able to source their happiness from God, but also from within. And, you know, sometimes we're looking to someone out there to validate us or make us feel worthy, but it's something that truly has to come from within. So that's what I'm grateful for, really, really having uh, developed this uh, sense of, of peace and joy and freedom. I love that. So your work is, you're a, you are a feminine embodiment coach. For the benefit of our listeners, what does that mean? And how did you... How did you end up becoming a feminine embodiment coach? Well, first I, I got trained as a life coach. So 
I learned about life coaching just through my own journey. I was coached um, because there were some things in my life where I, I felt stuck, some areas where I felt stuck in. And so I reached out and learned about coaching and started working with people. And yeah, so that inspired me to want to become a coach because at the time I didn't see any Catholics. I didn't see any Christians in, in that space really. And of course, now I know that there are other, you know, Christian coaches and Catholic coaches, but at the time I didn't really see that. So I really feel that God was calling me to really uh, to start this coaching practice, but to do it with a focus on women like myself. So women who are, you know, Catholic, who are Christian, who really love God, but also need some uh, additional support. And then I discovered feminine embodiment throughout the course of, of, of all of this, doing my own personal development work. And it's such a powerful method of coaching where you really get connected to to your heart um, and to also your body. You know, we all have uh, what we call women's intuition. And really, I think that's the Holy Spirit that communicates with us, you know, through our hearts, just like our lady Mary, she pondered so many things in her heart. And I believe that God also communicates with us through our heart. And so with feminine embodiment, we really learn how to listen to our hearts, listen to the Holy Spirit, how he's communicating with us through our hearts and also learn to release a lot of stuck emotions, a lot of unprocessed wounds and traumas that we've collected over the years. So that's like embodiment in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> nice. And, you know, I, I was really grateful when I came across your work because I've been looking for, uh, for people who also teach about femininity, embodiment, coaching, etc. And there were people I, there were coaches I bumped into who are not Catholics. And some of mm -hmm. their teachings uh, do not conform with the teachings of the Catholic Church. So though I love their work, I still need to filter some of the information. <laughs> I still need to check, okay, uh, should I listen to this? Should I not? So it, it's, it's a lot of work for me. That's why I'm grateful that we have someone like you who teaches things like this, uh, embodiment coaching and about f how to unleash your feminine genius. And at the same time, you, you align it or it is aligned with the teachings of the Catholic Church. So thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you for saying that. And, and that was actually very important for me too, as I was working with people who, as you said, weren't you know, necessarily Catholic or even Christian necessarily, you know, I had to do that filtration process. I had to sort of, you know, decide, okay, you know, what can I keep here and what do I let go? Um, so I understand exactly, exactly what you mean. But I also believe God can work through various means. And sometimes he does work through, you know, something that isn't obviously, you know, Catholic, um, yep. but he was able to use that in my life in a, in a powerful way. So now I'm trying to basically use it to help other people who have that same sort of uh, requirement. They really want to work with someone who is aligned with their beliefs. Right. So thank you for that. Our topic for today is the Esther journey from emotional orphan to queen. Um, can you tell us the inspiration behind this topic? Yeah. So I really love the story of Queen Esther and the story really inspired uh, inspired my program. So if we look at the story, 
you know, Esther starts out as an orphan. So we see that she's lost both of her parents as a young girl. And, you know, many of us are orphans too. So we may not have been physically orphaned by our parents, but we may have been emotionally orphaned. We may have been financially orphaned. And so if you reflect on your parents and the type of relationship you had with them, especially during those first seven years of life, which are really considered the formative years, you know, what was the relationship like? Did you feel supported? Did your heart feel safe? And then what was the relationship between your parents? Because we learn about femininity from our mom and masculinity from our dad. So the relationship that we have with them and also the relationship that they had with each other formed the blueprint of us for what a man is, what a woman is, and how a relationship and a marriage should be. So if we look at the next phase of the story, Esther gets recruited for what I call the Old Testament version of The Bachelor, right? So she had to go through this formation process, a 12-month preparation before she could even be presented to the king. Mm -hmm. And then during this period, you know, Esther, she really had a life coach. So one of the palace eunuchs, I don't know if you remember Mm -hmm. this part of the story, yeah, Haggai, um, he was really guiding her through the whole process. And if you remember in the story, he really took a liking to her because she was beautiful. You know, the story says she was a virgin. She had all these graces. And so he really kind of, kind of really ushered her through that whole formation process. And so on the single journey, we're also in a formation. We're undergoing a process. But the question is, are we participating in that process or are we being resistant? You know, are we fighting God every step of the way or are we grumbling and bitter because we're not happy with our little corner of the harem, of the king's harem? And so what we can glean from this story is Esther was very coachable. We know that she did exactly what Haggai told her to do. And the result is she was crowned queen of Persia. So we ultimately know there was a deeper purpose for Esther becoming a queen. Like it wasn't just about her becoming royalty. Ultimately, she saved her people. But Mm. in this story, you know, we really see Esther transformed from this orphan to queen to ultimately heroine who saves the day. Mm. And so I, I think as Christians, you know, sometimes we're afraid to say or to admit that we need support, we need help. And sometimes there's a stigma with that. But as I was saying earlier, you know, God can work through natural means. So something like therapy, coaching, spiritual direction, just like he works through also supernatural means. So this story for me was just such an inspiration um, and an invitation for women, whether they're single or in relationships to really reflect and discern to see how they can get support to help them get to their next phase, to their next level. Mm -hmm. So do you see uh, how important life coaching is? Do you think everyone should have a life coach? (laughs) Actually, I I do. I do. I honestly think that, you know, I used to say everybody needs therapy. Everybody needs some type of, of therapy. And I know that's not exactly true that, you know, therapy is really for people who have, you know, pathology or who need to really, um, yeah, get more, more psychosocial support. Um, but yeah, I, I really think coaching is important for everyone. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a coach, but I've experienced it. I've been coached. I have a coach now. And I always say that I will not ever not have a coach because I really, I really believe in it. And it's so nice to be able to have someone who is 
supporting you, who's listening to you, who's allowing you that space. And a lot of what we do in coaching is just holding that space, holding that container, because a lot of us don't have that in, in the real world, right? We're, we're working, right. you know, maybe our family, you know, they don't really want to hear about our, you know, our memories or our, our wounds or traumas <laughs> from the past. And of course, in, in your dating relationship, you don't want to dump that on the other person. So this is where having a, a coach um, can really be a, a supportive and collaborative type of relationship. And I, I love the women that I work with. Um, I'm so excited when it's, you know, time for our calls and yeah. Yes. So maybe we can just distinguish the difference between uh, having a life coach and a mentor. Because for example, in my, in my case, I've had mentors since mm-hmm. 2005 and I closely follow them. And for me, mentors could be pe- people, could be the authors. I read their books and then could mm-hmm. be uh, people who who hosts podcasts. I listen to their podcasts. I watch their videos on YouTube, etc. And I call them my mentors. Mm-hmm. But in 2019, I decided to have coaches in the different areas of my life. So these are the ones I worked with one on one for a very specific, for a very specific, um, uh, very specific niche. For example, mm-hmm. I had this coach for, for this particular goal, like a speech goal. And I uh-huh. had this coach for, for a particular for another goal, etc. So so I can see I can see the difference between having a mentor and a coach because with a coach you get to work with that person one on one. And the mentor, he's more of the the one talking and you you're the one listening <laughs> with a coach. With the coach, for example, I have a coach. I'm, I'm usually the one talking and the, the coach listens and asks me, um, asks me questions so that he or she can draw out the information from me and he exactly. or she can help me process things on my own rather than telling me what to do or what not to do. Did I get exactly? That? Yes, exactly. So yeah, mentor is actually an imbalanced sort of relationship. So it's like the mentor is kind of above you in a sense. Um, and you need to be mentored by that person. But a coaching relationship is actually, it's actually a partnership, it's equal. So the coach mm-hmm. is actually not. Yeah, so the coach is not superior to the client. The coach actually believes that ultimately the answers um, are really within the client. And mm. as you as you mentioned, it's about getting to the root by asking those powerful questions and drawing that out because it's, it's actually within you. It's actually within you. So when I'm listening to a client, I'm listening to what she's saying, but I'm also listening to what she's not saying because there's there can be a lot of information in the silence as well. So um, that sort of informs the session and how it goes. And yeah, so you, you were, you were spot on in your, in your, in your definitions there. Thank you. So from your years of coaching women, what do you think are some of the wounds, emotional wounds that women have and how can coaching help single women, uh, heal emotional wounds? So that's a good question. I think probably one of the biggest wounds that women struggle with is this belief of not enoughness, um, not worthy, that there must be something wrong with them. And that's why they're still single, especially if they're single, you know, later than they would like to be. Um, and 
Yeah, yeah. And it really is a, a lie of, of the enemy. It's a lie of Satan. And really, Satan has always been the natural enemy of women, right? From the, the very beginning, you know, in the garden, he approached, mm-hmm. Eve. He, he didn't approach Adam, he spoke specifically to, to Eve. And we know that uh, there's a great enmity between Our Lady and, and, and Satan. So he attacks women in a very particular way. And a lot of it has to do with how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about our worth, our worthiness, our value. And a lot of times we have these patterns in relationships of codependency, really of needing validation from the outside. But really we have to learn how to do that from within. We have to first anchor our identity in God. um, And that's why healing, healing the relationship with God is always the first step, always. That's the foundation. But then we really have to dive into those wounds. So, you know, the mindset, what are those beliefs that she's holding that aren't serving her? What about her emotions and her feelings? Is she reactive? Is she triggered by the same things? You know, those are, I always say triggers are really telling you what you need to work on. So triggers are great. <laughs> In my mm-hmm. world, triggers are, are like, yay, because okay, I'm <laughs> triggered by this. So now I know that I need to still work on this issue. Um, and then also, also really the inner child, that's um, something that usually comes up during the session is there's that little girl within who, you know, was doing the best she could. And, you know, maybe she took on beliefs that weren't true, or she made decisions that weren't actually good, but she was doing the best she could in that situation. And now you're living as your 30 year old, you know, 40 year old, 50 year old, whatever self, from the eyes of and perspective of this little girl. So we have to heal her. We have to reparent her. Essentially, we have to really grow, grow her up. Right. And I like your perspective about, you know, uh, triggers, yay. <laughs> because it gives you, for example, before, whenever I, would, whenever I would be triggered, my reaction would be, I would pray that God will remove the triggers. Mm. But uh, having gone through a lot of work and, having talked to, to a lot of coaches and having that awareness. Now, whenever there are triggers, of course, these, these triggers are difficult, sometimes can be painful. But at the same time, I'm grateful for the triggers because they, they bring to light what needs to be healed. Exactly. What needs to, what needs to be attended to. Exactly. And one of the processes that I use in um, embodiment coaching is actually we we go into that, like we'll go into the wound. We'll usually start with the wound or the trigger or the bad feeling or whatever it is. And maybe the first time a woman experiences this, she's not going to be able to like just dive right in, like in the deep end of the pool, but she starts to get comfortable with holding that, that uncomfortable feeling within and feeling it. And then by the end of the session, there's like this release because just a li- even if it's just a little bit of that feeling, it was released and she just has a lot more space for now positive to come in and, and replace that negative that, that had been there for so long. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you let, you let the, the women you coach feel whatever feelings they, they are feeling, no matter how, how uncomfortable or painful. And then after that, they feel a sense of release or sense of lightness. So during the session, we will usually start with, you know, what is the issue? There's usually a problem or something happened. And 
we first try to anchor into some sense of safety. So it's not like me pushing, you know, pushing someone off the diving board <laughs> who doesn't know how to swim. So it's mm -hmm. not, it's not exactly like that, but during the session, we're just gently, I'm gently guiding her a little bit closer, a little bit closer to that feeling um, and always checking in with her to make sure she feels safe, of course, but sometimes there's tears. Sometimes there's, you know, you know, it, all kinds of beautiful healing things that I see during sessions, but generally by the end of the 60 minutes or 90 minutes or whatever it is, you, you just, you see the peace, you feel the peace, you know, there's a calmness. And mm -hmm. I always pray before my sessions and ask the Holy spirit to, to lead the session and to guide me as well. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. I think uh, that uh, now that you're sharing that, I remember what you shared before in, in one, one of our group discussions about toxic positivity. Um, can you share a bit about what toxic positivity is and what should we do instead? Yeah, so there's a lot of um, talk these days about, you know, focusing on the positive and, you know, a positive mindset and all of that is great. I'm all for positivity. You know, I consider myself a positive person, but what you don't want to do is bypass the truth. So no one is positive a hundred percent of the time. No one is always, you know, feeling love and peace and joy and all of those wonderful emotions. There are days when we're upset, when we're angry, when we're, you know, scared, anxious, frustrated, whatever. Right. But we've learned, unfortunately, and this is, this is very unfortunate for women because our emotional world, our emotions are actually a gift. Men's brains don't work the way ours do. They don't have the same emotional depth and range that we do. And so when we kind of cut that off, we're almost like neutering ourselves in a sense, um, because men really love that aspect about us, this feminine range, if you will, of emotions. And again, it's not about like put, putting your anger or your frustration or blame on someone else, but it really is about navigating that from within and feeling whatever it is, talking to God, being honest with God. You know, sometimes I'll talk to God and I say, I'm kind of disappointed here <laughs> you know, I'm, or I'm disappointed in you because I, I have that relationship with God. And of course, I'm not, you know, disrespectful or anything like that. And, and he knows that I love him, but we, you know, we, we have that, that relationship. So I'll tell him, you know, I'm really, I'm confused here. I thought this is what you said, but <laughs> it didn't quite turn out that way. But the point is God knows what you're feeling anyway. He knows what's mm -hmm. in your heart anyway. We can't hide from God. So why not just be honest, just own it. Um, and I promise you that if you start to do that more and more, it'll become easier each time. And you're basically clearing a lot of that from your, from your system. Right. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. So um, there, there are a lot of uh, pieces of advice that Catholic single men and women and singles in general would hear from well-meaning friends and family members. And one of the pieces of advice that I would hear a lot is this, to meet the right person, you have to be the right person. So the, the, some of the single women would interpret it as, so does that mean that all the married women and men are the right people already and all the singles are not yet the right people? So what is your take on this? 
That's a good question. So, you know, first of all, when we're on the outside of, of someone's marriage, you don't really know the dynamics of that relationship. So it's easy to say, well, you know, this couple is married, so automatically they had something that I didn't, or they were worthy and I wasn't. But we don't want to make those, um, those judgments because you really don't know what's going on. And another thing that I've also realized, especially after um, doing so much like coaching, is that there are a lot of unhealthy relationship dynamics out there, a lot of um, like codependent yeah. relationships. So you don't want to judge like your journey and where you are based on what you think is happening in someone else's household. So that's, so that's the first thing. And also I would just say to remember that you are on your journey. God has um, a plan for you. He, you know, he sees the end from the beginning. So he knows exactly what you need. He knows the desires of your heart. And it's not about like looking at other people and feeling like somehow you're inadequate. I think it's actually the opposite. It's, you know, looking at other people and being inspired and saying, here's a whole, you know, here's a couple that is, you know, faithful and practicing. That means it's possible because if this couple met and married, use that as an example, use that as inspiration for you to say, okay, I'm not going to give up. It's possible. If it was possible for this person, and we know there's no partiality with God, it's possible for, for you too. So Thank you. What is your advice for Catholic single men and women who have yet to meet their respective spouses? Okay, so first thing I would say is just a word of encouragement that God hasn't forgotten you. Again, he knows you very intimately. He knows the desires of your heart and he knows that you have a desire for a holy marriage. So don't lose faith and don't give up. And remember St. Therese of Lisieux said, God doesn't inspire unattainable desires. So hold on to that. Yes, we know there's sin in the world. Yeah, yeah. And we know there's sin in the world and dating is very different for us than it was for our parents and our grandparents. Um, and it does feel like people are having a harder time today finding a suitable spouse, but all things are possible. My second piece of advice would be, you know, you do have to be ready for what you're asking God for. So, you know, a parent wouldn't give a 10 year old keys to the car just because, you know, he wants to go on a joy ride. So mm -hmm. you use this single season to really become the healthiest version of yourself, especially when it comes to your emotional and mental health. So are there habits, are there patterns that need to be healed? Do you have beliefs that aren't serving you? Are there those wounds from childhood or adolescence or even previous relationships? Some of us need to heal from that. So this is the time. Pray as if everything depends on God, but then act as if everything depends on you. And the yes. last thing I would say, the last piece of advice I would say, <laughs> and this is a little bit tongue in cheek, but learn how to date <laughs> and learn <laughs> about learn about the opposite sex. So men and women were wired very differently and God designed it that way. So we need to relish those differences. So I really want women to fully embrace their feminine genius and to own their feelings. In society, you know, women were shamed for our emotions, but again, that's an integral part of who we are. And for the men, I would say to be bold, be confident, <laughs> and to step into your masculinity with courage. And I know these days, there's a lot of talk about toxic masculinity 
and men are seen as, you know, the enemy. But remember to the guys here, you can't lead a marriage if you aren't going to lead the dating process. So you're practicing for marriage when you're dating. So keep that in mind. And ultimately just remember there's this beautiful polarity of men and women when both of us are fully expressed. So just continue uh, continuing your identity as sons and daughters of God. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about uh, pray as if everything depends on prayer and work as if everything depends on work. And it's the same with what my one of my mentors, Hal Elrod, taught on the miracle equation wherein it's unwavering faith plus extraordinary effort. Because sometimes yes. women of faith would, or sometimes, again, well-meaning people would advise Catholic singles to just wait on the Lord. Just wait on the Lord. Just pray and then the right person will come or just enjoy your work, enjoy your profession and the right man will come. And so sometimes, and it, and it sounds very spiritual when you hear it in the dating mm-hmm. perspective, right? But when you... Yeah when you um, apply it in the profession perspective, for example, you know, just pray and just enjoy your life and then you will land a job at Microsoft or <laughs> you will land a scholarship in Harvard, but you're not doing anything. So how can you land that job or that scholarship? So I think these are some of the pieces of advice that we want to get clarity on because a lot of women get confused. Should I do Should I do something? Should I not do something? Am I not trusting God if I do something? And things like that. So uh, I, I like what you said about pray as if everything depends on prayer and work as if everything depends on work, which is aligned to what Hal Elrod, uh, the author of The Miracle mm-hmm. Morning, shared about unwavering faith plus extraordinary effort. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, in the, in the gospels, if you look at, you know, Jesus's miracles, oftentimes he would ask the person that he was healing, like, do you believe that I can do this? Or he might ask them to, you know, like today from the gospel, he told the guy to, you know, rise and take up his mat and walk. So uh, oftentimes God is inviting us to participate in his work, right? So, that's the whole story. He particip- he invites us right. to participate in the work of salvation. And that includes like our vocation. So being more proactive. And I know for women, it's, it's, it's a challenge because most of us, I would say, are more feminine forward. So we want the man to lead. We want the man to really pursue. And, and all of that is great. I would say, though, it, it's so important for women to understand about men because I, oftentimes we don't, we really don't understand how men think, why they act the way they do. We often judge them. We often, you know, think that they're doing things just to annoy us and, and that's not it at all. So this is really, again, the time for, for, for action is often inner work. So inner work action, but also being findable. So you have to be available to be found. If you're just in your house, (laughs) Um, and a lot of us are working from home these days, if you're just in your house, you know, the question is, okay, am I really, am I really doing my part to, to fulfill this vocation that I believe God is calling me to? Because if someone believed they were called to the priesthood or to religious life, they're not just going to stay at home and say, well, if it's meant to be, the bishop will (laughs) find me and knock on my door right? <laughs> yes. So, so be findable. Put yourself out there. Yes. Yes. Be findable. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. 
Um, so, I have two more questions. The the first one would be, um, just very briefly, what is feminine genius? So, the feminine genius was actually a term coined by John Paul II in his letters to women, to women. And so, my interpretation of it is, it's basically everything that makes us women. It's all the gifts that God has endowed us with. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's the, it's a lot of the things that society says, you need to get rid of that. You need to hide that. Nobody wants to hear that or see that. Um, but we know that, you know, there's this push today towards like this very neutered, <laughs> like there's no gender. We're all the same. We're all this. And we know that male and female, he created them. So the feminine genius is really about the, the fullness of who you are as a woman, as a daughter mm-hmm. of God. And it's not, It's not when people think about femininity, they automatically think, oh, you're saying I have to wear dresses or wear makeup or wear pink. And it's those are like the frills of femininity, but not everybody's going to be into that stuff. But ultimately, it's this core knowing of who you are, who you are as a daughter of God. But also it's incredible strength. Women are so strong on the inside but that strength is also supported by a softness on the outside. We're open, we're receptive, we're loving. So that's really what it, feminine genius means for me. Strong on the inside and soft on the outside. Yes, yes. Okay, again, that is so important because um, sometimes for a lot of women, for us women, sometimes we project a strong front, but we are mm-hmm. strong on the outside, but soft on the inside. So it is so important to know that, that the opposite is better, which is strong on the inside and soft on the outside. Yes. And a uh, lot of us, mm-hmm. yes, I was just going to say, and a lot of us through our, again, traumas, wounds, whatever from the past, where we have on this armor or we have these walls up. It's like, I've got to protect myself by keeping everyone else out, right? Mm-hmm. But you're actually pris- imprisoning your own self when you mm-hmm. when you do that. Mm-hmm. So the key is to let the walls down, to let people in, and to really let that vulnerability through. Mm-hmm. And by becoming strong on the inside, you you actually are just yeah, it's it's just amazing. That's when that feminine radiance really comes out. Yep, you know your value. You know you who you are. Uh, you don't you don't just get easily swayed by sweet words. Um, yeah. So you're strong on the inside, but at the same time you're soft on the outside because you are welcoming. People are not intimidated to, to approach you <laughs> and things. Yeah, like that. exactly, um, exactly. Wow, wow! I, I'm getting a lot from from this conversation, Claudine, and I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> are also uh, interested to. To dive deeper into in maybe they're in the healing journey um so maybe they would also want to talk to you and and find ways on how you can be able to help them um, before we go to that i just have one more question so let's say we have prayers and these prayers were unanswered so how do you deal with unanswered prayers Oh, this is, this is a very good question. Um, I actually don't believe prayers go unanswered because, you know, I can't imagine God just ignoring us like that. So I think God answers our prayers, but we don't always like the answer that we're getting. So 
when a prayer is answered, it's obvious that it's a yes, right? Um, mm -hmm. But when a prayer doesn't seem to be answered, we actually don't know if it's a no or if it's a not yet. So this is really where our faith gets put to the test. Do we persist in prayer? Do we exercise, exercise patience and trust? Or do we become cynical and bitter? Because that's the road that we don't want to go down. Now, if, again, of course, we're human. We're going to get discouraged from time to time. And that goes back to what I said about being honest, you know, talking to God, honestly, telling him how you're feeling, um, telling yourself how you're feeling. And then again, just surrender and trust and remember, remember these two simple prayers, Jesus, I trust in you and not my will, but yours, you know, those, those can be very helpful in those moments of discouragement or frustration. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Claudine. That is such a good perspective that God always answers our prayers. <laughs> yeah, he, he does. He, I just don't believe he's just ignoring us. Yeah, yeah. But his answer is always for our good. And we just sometimes we don't see that it's good for us because we don't see the entire picture. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But yes, you can always trust, trust in God's uh, best and highest good for you. Yep. So let's say there are uh, women who would like to be coached. Maybe they're healing from some emotional wounds or child wounds. Uh, is that something that you can be able to help them with? Yes, absolutely. So I work with women in uh, two ways, either for one 90-minute session, um, which I call renewal, because the purpose of that is really to release those big three, so fear, guilt, and shame. So mm -hmm. um, women can come with one, you know, one issue that's maybe triggering one of those emotions, and we really release that during the 90 minutes. And then women can also work with me for 90 days. So that's really where we go wow. on the Esther journey. Yeah, that's really where we work to heal that relationship with God, then with, with herself, and then with other people. And that includes family, friends, you know, romantic, all of it. So yeah, that's how women can, can work with me. Beautiful. How can people get in touch with you? And also important question, can men also work with you or is it available for women only? <laughs> that is such a good question. So I, I have never coached a man, but it has crossed my mind because I, I, I think I could help a man too, because <laughs> these tools, <laughs> these tools, even though it's feminine embodiment, I mean, these tools can be used on anyone. So I, again, I've never worked with a man, but if a man was inspired to reach out to me, we, you know, we might have to have an experiment, but um, <laughs> the way to reach me is through my website. Um, it's www.femininegeniuscoaching.com. And yeah, I have a free three-day challenge where a, a woman can basically sign up and it will help her get clear on her goals and then also identify any roadblocks that are in the way. So that's a, a great starting point as well. Okay. And you're also on Instagram, right? I follow you there. Yes. Instagram is the same uh, at Feminine Genius Coaching. All right. Feminine Genius Coaching. Thank yep. you so much, Claudine. I 
I learned a lot from this interview. I was inspired. And a lot of what you said um, kind of were, were aligned to what I heard from some of my mentors. I'm, I'm really grateful for, for this interview. And I'm so grateful for the time you allotted for this interview. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation as well. And I appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome. God bless you and more power to you. <laughs> God bless. Take care. Take care. All right. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Just a disclaimer, the views of the host and the guests in this podcast should not be construed as experts' advice, but as their personal insights and opinions. Thank you for listening to the Joy and Peace podcast for Catholic singles. Follow and DM us on Instagram at Joy and Peace Podcast or email us at Joy and Peace Podcast at gmail.com. See you on our next episode.